Kalispera, Lenny, how are you doing? <laughs> Kalispera, I'm good, and you? I'm, I'm great. Uh, it's, it's drummer's day here in Brazil. And since you're like half Brazilian, congratulations <laughs> for your day. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much. Drummer's Day? Really? I didn't know that this exists. It exists and I saw that abroad is like 15th of November. We're in Brazil, we always have like different days for everything, I'm not sure why. So it's today. <laughs> wow, it's so cool. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah, uh, how's Greece? I heard that there was a very bad fire situation going on lately. Um, yeah, yeah, the summer has been crazy with the fires and actually just um, 30 minutes ago I read that there's a new fire again. Oh so, yeah, um, in Athens, but nor, not nearby to where I live. Yeah. So I'm, I, I was saved during the whole uh, thing because I live in the center, so no forest trees around here. But yeah, it has been bad, you know, for Greece in general. Yeah, I guess it was happening in Turkey and some countries of Europe yes. as well. All right. Uh, I've just put out a, a song called Tendonets. Incredible stuff, like very technical. Extreme Metal Adrenaline. Could you tell me a bit about it? Yeah, this uh, this video actually was, you know, a project that I wanted to do for quite a while. Um, because uh, Luke Holland, uh, the original drummer that has played this song, is one of my favorites. Um uh, so, you know, I used to watch his playthrough of the song uh, many times and, you no, know, I admired it so much and I was always thinking that I want to learn how to play this thing, but I was always afraid to even try to do it. And, uh, you know, then the um, quarantine, the second quarantine of 2021 came and I had a lot of free time, more than I actually wanted. <laughs> so uh, so I decided, you know, to use this free time for something good. And I told myself that this is the time to, to try to learn this song that I'm super afraid of and let's see what happens. And I started practicing it and I was seeing that it's going actually better than I thought. And I decided, okay, let's let's make it in a let's make a video out of it. And uh, I have this friend uh, Manos, the guitarist in the song, who's an amazing guitar player. And because Jason Richardson is one of his favorite guitarists, I told him, let's do it together, you know, to push our limits a bit. So we were practicing this thing at the same time, you know, pushing each other to be better. And then we recorded the whole thing. We decided to make a cool video out of it, you know, because we love the song so much. And yeah, this is the result, what you say. It was quite um, a lot of effort. Yeah, we, we, we just say that it's like the, the hardest song you ever recorded. Yeah, yeah, it was a pain in the ass to, to record this thing, but it was yeah. worth it. All right, uh, New Gears are back on tour finally after those huge, insanely huge quarantines. How is it going so far? Are people still afraid of coming to the gigs? Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird because there are some people that are afraid, not, not that many. Um, but still, you know, of course, when it's going out and going super crowded. But also it's the fact that, you know, you need um, a vaccination certificate or a PCR test to enter a concert. And, you know, some people uh, haven't uh, taken the vaccine yet, maybe because they're afraid of the vaccine. And, you know, tests are super expensive. 
So, you know, some people don't want to go to shows because they don't want to get vaccinated. So it's kind of a weird situation still, you know, with vaccinations and everything that we have to do to go to concerts. So still, you know, we're not back to normal yet with the concerts and everything. Is that happening like for all the gigs? You're not allowed to enter in any gig if you're not vaccinated? Yeah, um, it's either vaccination or PCR test, you know, the uh, COVID test. Uh, it's one of the two. You are allowed to not be vaccinated, but you have to prove that you're negative to COVID. So you have to take test results with you. Oh, you know, PCR tests are super expensive. So some people yeah. that haven't taken the vaccine yet, they can't afford the test. Yes, it's very expensive and it's not 100% reliable as well, unfortunately. Yes, <laughs> it depends on the amounts of virus you have in your body. If it's too small, they can't detect it. Yeah, exactly. It's still kind of a weird situation. Yes, yeah, but things have to move on, you know. We've been waiting for that for so many times. Oh, yeah. And I, I think it's going better, you know, month by month. It's, it looks better, the whole, you know, the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, do you guys have plans to come to Brazil? I think everybody wants to know it. Um, we really want to come to Brazil. Um, the only problem is still, you know, the COVID actually. It's the only thing that keeps us from coming because it's still kind of hard to travel from Europe to Latin America and Brazil with, the, um, you know, the whole COVID regulations and everything. But uh, we can promise that it will be one of the first things we'll do when, you know, uh, there is a bit more freedom. So we'll definitely come in um, 2022. I don't know exactly when, but we'll definitely do it. Yes, the only thing they've bought so far is for Ginger in March. But Mm -hmm. we don't know if it's going to happen or not. So fucked up. Yeah, it's still difficult especially yeah, for Europeans to get out of Europe right now some places in the United States as well the people just don't want to get vaccinated so it's, it's a mess I don't all right get that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right uh in China Nervosa in the, the beginning of last year and Nervosa yeah. has like a huge Brazilian from base how was like being welcomed by the Brazilian fans uh Brazilians, uh, Brazilian fans are actually the greatest, and um, you know uh, it, it. It was super warm and welcome. Um, yeah, because you know when we entered the band, uh, we weren't known at all um, to Brazil. You know the three of us, the three new members. So I remember the day that the announcement happened, uh, that I went into Instagram. And I saw like uh, hundreds, uh, even thousands of comments from <laughs> Brazilian fans. Uh, you know, and it felt so warm that you know you're entering a new band. You, you you're not you don't know what's gonna happen, how the reception will be. You know, if the fans will like you or the, if they will hate you. So you know, uh, entering the nervous and seeing all the the warm reception was amazing you know the comments were great even the ones in portuguese i was translating them in google Translate <laughs> to, to understand what um, they were writing and i can say that um like 99.9 percent was super positive 
So cool. it was amazing. It was amazing. Like, uh, th thank you, actually. Thank you for the reception because it was amazing and it felt great. Have you have you been in Brazil already? No, no. Unfortunately, I, I can't wait to come to Brazil, but still super hard because I joined it was in the quarantine, so it wasn't possible to uh, to to go there. But um, you know, I was actually thinking about it in the um, spring of uh, 2021. I was discussing it with Prika to um, to visit her there. But then Brazil kind of got blocked from the rest of the world, so it was impossible for me to come. Yeah, we have a so, super stupid president, so things are really bad here. Yeah, yeah, Prika, you know, told me everything about it. So yeah, I was actually even, you know, researching plane tickets, and then it, it all got blocked, so I couldn't, I wasn't able to make it there, but. I can't wait, you know, Prika has told me so many stores from Brazil that I can't wait to visit. Yeah, you had contact with Brazilian stuff as well. How, what are your, your favorite Brazilian things so far? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm terrible with names, so let me remember. Uh, tapioca. Tapioca, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Tapioca, Prika, good tapioca for me when we were recording the album and it was delicious. <laughs> also, um, what's the name of the drink? Uh, Guarana. Guarana. Uh, Is that available in Europe? Um, actually, Prika was able to order Guarana while we were in Spain. She mm. found a Brazilian store over there and she ordered Guarana. And because I'm a huge caffeine addict, uh, Guarana was like, you know, caffeine, but with different flavor from coffee. So it felt it felt great. I actually think I didn't let anyone else drink Guarana because I drank all of it myself. <laughs> it's you know, super tasty. Days or something. Yeah, I was drinking four cans per day or something. Um, but these are my top favorites. And then there's another food, fasoada. I'm probably I'm butchering the name, but yeah, it's something with beans. And um, feijoada, yeah. Yeah, th this one. It's these probably... are the best ones that I can remember right now. You had caipirinha as well, yes. <laughs> oh, I tried. It was delicious, but uh, I can't take the alcohol that much. So after two sips, I was already destroyed. And it's I very it strong. To... Yeah, and I left it to Diva to bring the rest. She was in love with it, but it was delicious, but too much alcohol for me. <laughs> I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, I only drink that of vodka, but I'm not a huge fan as well. <laughs> I think uh, it's super nice. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, let's do a bit of timeline now. Or it, it won't look like an interview. <laughs> how did you get into music? Like the first instrument, instrument you learn how to play? The first band you listen to? Like your, the first contacts you have at all? Uh, so the first in instrument I've ever played was the piano uh, when I was seven years old. Um, to be honest, I didn't enjoy it that much I just you know my mom took me to music school to play the piano I hated it from day one but I stuck with it for four years but I like I couldn't wait to quit for some reason I didn't like it at all <laughs> but um, in the meantime I discovered metal music from a friend of mine from school around the age of 10 11 
So I started listening to bands like uh, Scorpions. I think the first rock band that I ever listened to was Scorpions and Evanescence, I think, these two. But then I got into more metal like um, Iron Maiden, Rainbow, you know, the classics. And then to Slipknot, Korn, uh, Marilyn Manson. It was like a blend of more old school traditional metal and more new metal. I was discovering everything at the same time, to be honest. Um, were so, you from, from the, like the new metal generation? Or how old are you? Were you like the Linkin Park, Slipknot, Renaissance generation? Uh, I was actually the Slipknot Linkin Park generation because, uh, yeah, when when these bands were like exploding, I was 11, 12 years old, I think. Yeah, I think so. So it was like, you know, I was a generation of that music. So, you know, it was normal for my generation to discover Iron Maiden and Slipknot, for example, at the same time, you know, to listen to the classics and the new ones at the same time. Yes. So I got really into new metal uh, around the age of 12 and uh, Slipknot was my favorite band and it still is actually. And from Slipknot, I actually discovered drums uh, because I'm, you know, I'm not from a musical family, so I didn't know that many instruments. Like, if someone asked me what what is drums before the age of twelve, I wouldn't know how to answer. I didn't know that drums existed as an instrument. So I saw a video of Joy Jordison, so and that was the first time I saw drums as an instrument existing, and I fell in love with drums, how they looked, how they sounded and everything. And um, at that moment, I, I told myself that, okay, I want to try to do this, to, to just hit those things and see what how it feels like. And I asked my mom to uh, take me to drum lessons. She wasn't very positive in the beginning, but, you know, she came to terms with it uh, in the meantime. And after some time, she took me to my first drum lessons. I was 12 at that time. And uh, I didn't stop playing after that. Like I continued with the lessons and I joined my first band. And after that, like, I think it came all naturally. Do you remember what was like the first Slipknot song you listened to? Yeah, actually, um, it's uh, Surfacing. Surfacing? It's not that famous, but it's a good one, yeah. It was the first one, and still is my favorite Slipknot song ever. Yeah, cool. I like the the nameless. It's a very beautiful drumline. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Actually, oh, especially that that era of Slipknot, I think is the best one musically. Yeah, they like they like System of a Down as well. Oh yeah, I love those. I love them too. Amazing, and it was around the same time that these bands like exploded. Yeah, those those great times. I remember missed that. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, it was amazing times. Uh, I listened to some of your before intervals and stuff, and one that called my attention was when you recorded with a band called Warriors Dance, like super cool and super different from what you play. Oh, oh yeah, this band, yeah, amazing guys. And that was the first time I listened to songs in Greek, <laughs> to be honest. So could you talk <laughs> a bit about this this record? Yeah, this record, uh, this record actually means a lot to me because it was my first session work ever. It was the first time that I actually recorded something as a session musician. Oh. Uh, it was like four, four or five years ago, I think. 
it was released um, quite late. I think it was released like two years ago, but I recorded much uh, um, some years before that. And yeah, it was, uh, I met a Warriors Dance from a mutual friend. You know, my friend told me that there's this band, like that it's kind of a weird mix of rock, pop, electronic, a bit of reggae, a bit of everything. And he told me that they were looking for a session drummer to record the drums. And, you know, I, I was like, okay, this, probably this is my first session work, let's do it. And they gave me the songs and I hadn't actually played back then anything that is reggae or electronic. So uh, I, the songs were like a blank canvas. I was like, okay, okay I'm not familiar with the genre. So I will try to be myself, to, to put my own thing inside and let's see what happens. And I recorded like a pre-production. Um, I did a pre-production recording uh, just for the guys to see my ideas on the songs and they loved them. They told me that they liked the fact that I put some metal elements inside and I did my own thing. And after that, yeah, we did the recording, the official recording. It was super fun because um, uh, it, it had so much groove that it was uh, amazing to record the songs. It was super easy also, like two takes maximum per song. It was super easy because they are more simple in their, um, uh, you know, in their structure and they have a lot of space to play stuff. So it was just really easy to experiment and try new ideas. And I love the fact that they combine so many elements and you can put the, the reggae grooves and then do some metal stuff and then play a bit more pop and you know you can do everything inside and i love this album and yeah if you're into listening to some experimental music with greek lyrics definitely check this album out for anyone who's listening because it's super cool <laughs> yeah you know i play drums as well and something that really drives me to drums is the groove you know it's and not yeah. that much into technique but the groove for me it's something that moves me <laughs> it's really good yeah me too i prefer groove than speed to be honest i think groove is the top thing that you have to consider when you become a drummer yeah it's not so hard but it makes you feel good while you're playing you know it's super comfortable and cool yeah Start. exactly yeah all right uh now let's talk about nervosa and um, how did you get into the band like how was the, the first interaction with Prika, I guess, which is the, the owner of the band, leader, I don't like this term. <laughs> um, you know, the, uh, Luana Fernanda um, left the band in, I think it was April of 2020. And so Prika was looking for new members, obviously. And uh, it was kind of hard because it was in the middle of a quarantine. So it was super hard for her to look for new members and to do auditions. And she used, you know, internet and social media to find musicians. And from what she told me, uh, she had uh, watched one of my drum covers some time before that, and she liked it. I think it was a Slipknot drum cover, actually. Um, it was sick, so was, the song? Yeah, it was sick. So Slipknot has been, has been good to me, you know. She, <laughs> she saw me playing Slipknot and she liked the cover. And um, she decided to, you know, give it a try with me and send me an email. 
asking me to audition. And as you can imagine, I was pretty shocked because uh, I actually completely remember that day. It was in the middle of the quarantine. I was inside my house. You know, I hadn't seen any people in like a month. And, you know, it was just another day in solitude, let's say. <laughs> and I just grabbed my phone, you know, and I saw an email from Rick Amaral and, and, you know, like I, I couldn't process it. So I just opened the email. I saw just the word addition and I started screaming. <laughs> my roommate came, came running in my room and because he thought I was dying or something. And uh, I told her like nervous is asking me to audition. Uh, and she started uh, chasing me around the house, my roommate, until I promised her that I would definitely do the audition. Because, you know, <laughs> for some seconds, I was so freaked out that I was doubting myself. Like, what if I say no because I'm not good enough? And I was starting to think these kinds of things until my roommate threatened my life. So then I replied on the email and I accepted the audition. And we had to do it through video call because of the quarantine. We were unable to travel. And so, yeah, we did the video call for the audition. We did something like an interview where she got to know me a bit more. I played some old songs. And then she also asked me to compose the drums for a new song to see how my composition skills are. And this was the final test of the audition. And funny enough is that the song that was my test to compose is the song Venomous is the first song of the album. Yes. Uh, so it's cool because I, I composed this song while I was, you know, auditioning for Nervosa. So <laughs> it's super cool. And you can say you can feel the fear in the drum line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, all these uh, past double bass uh, are because I was super afraid. So like I put a lot of double bass in pressure to, the, to the <laughs> something like that. And, and then, yeah, she told me that, you know, I got the job. And so that was our first, you know, interaction. But it wasn't until August of 2020 that we met in person to record the album, because until then it was just quarantine. Okay. Uh, let me go be lost in my script here. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, uh, Nervos is such a huge band in the metal community. Did you get like Nervos the first moment that you were with the band, like in studio? Um, actually, I was nervous before I reached the studio. I was nervous during my flight until there. Uh, <laughs> I was freaking out. And the days before that, like my friends, I don't know how they tolerated me because I was so nervous that I was calling them every five minutes. But for some reason, when I, actually my plane landed and I saw Prika and Martin Fury, our producer, and everyone waiting for me at the airport, they were so you know friendly and cool and down to earth that it, the whole anxiety just went away. You know, it left. I think you know I was afraid because I didn't know what to expect because I I hadn't met them in person yet. But when I did, this was like okay. It looks like a safe space. It looks like they're amazing people. So it's cool. And the recording actually went really smoothly. Like from day one, it was super smooth, everything. No anxiety, no pressure. Everything like worked beautifully. 
Yeah, that's the the Brazilian way of welcoming, I guess. Prika looks super nice. Yes, it's the best. I hope we can, can invite her for an interview in the future. Uh, do you think sure. that this whole experience changed you as a musician? Yeah, uh, 100%. I, I, I say sometimes that, um, you know, my, my drumming journey has two eras, before Perpetual Chaos and after Perpetual Chaos. <laughs> um, recording this album taught me so many things um because it was you know it was composed uh, and recorded on the spot to some extent of course Prika had composed most of the guitar parts before that but uh, because we didn't have a chance to rehearse before the recordings uh you know some songs changed drastically inside the studio and also, some songs were composed inside the studio, like Rebel Soul, for example. It was composed after we arrived in Spain to record. So, you know, we have to, we had to come up with ideas on the spot. And, for example, during the drum recordings, me and Martin Furia, we were working like nine to ten hours per day in the studio, just recording drum ideas, changing ideas all the time, like throwing them in the garbage and composing new ones <laughs> and then changing fields like some small details in fields like we record the same field 10 times to see how we liked it the most so it was intense work i remember that after i finished the whole thing i was sleeping for two days in a row it was super exhausting but it taught me a lot it taught me to how to work on the spot you know without the ability to practice things beforehand so i think i met, i matured a lot and i owe it um of course to prika the girls but mostly to martin because he was like a teacher to me like he was super patient and he was listening to all my ideas and super encouraging person and he, he knows so many things in music and production that he changed me completely and he's like you know uh like master furia i call him sometimes <laughs> cool most of the bands that are interviewed that recorded during quarantine uh, reported how weird it is to to write in songs and producing and recording stuff during the quarantine because of the distance between the members of the bands Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I, it's super weird because you normally, you know, you compose some stuff, you rehearse, you jam in the studio and everything, everyone works together at the same time. But now it's like you compose something in your room, you record it, you send it with we transfer to the other corner of the world, the, the <laughs> one night's sleeve. And then two days after you get the response and something like that. It's more mechanical, more robotic. Of course, you you can find a way to work with that but it's always better to you know be with the other person in the same room and compose together yes the real world and and how was after so many times waiting so many time waiting how was like getting in the stage with nervosa for the first time uh it was like a dream because it had been so long okay it, of course it, it wasn't super long it was around the year that we had to wait to play our first shows. But 
it felt long, you know, because we created an album and we were seeing the response to the album that it was super positive, but then we couldn't play it. And we, you know, we had booked shows before that got canceled before, before COVID. So actually I was even doubting at some point that we would make it to the shows that we actually played. I expected them to be canceled as well. I was, I was, uh, I became really pessimistic during COVID. <laughs> so when we confirmed uh, our summer shows and, you know, I saw that they actually weren't canceled and that we would play them. I was like having, I, at that moment I had the realization like, wow, I'm actually hitting the stage after one year and a half. And it was like waking up from a long dream, something like that. So the expectations were super high, of course. The pressure was super high because we hadn't seen the audience for more than a year. Of course, we hadn't played together on the stage, but you know, as separate people with our previous projects and bands, we hadn't played in more than a year to a live audience. So in the beginning, we were a bit cold, you know, we're trying to get more warm with the people. But I think in around 10 minutes, it was amazing. Like we found our previous pre-COVID selves. You know, we got used to the crowd and the crowd was amazing. Our first show was in Poland, in Wroclaw. And uh, the crowd was amazing, super enthusiastic. So they made us feel welcome and they remind us how is the process of making a live show. And it, it was amazing. Like after that, I think we had smile, smiles in our faces for a week. <laughs> and after that, all the shows were, went super smoothly amazing shows amazing crowds amazing countries like um now it's been two weeks that we haven't played together and it feels too long i got addicted again to the shows <laughs> how's uh what where's the next concert you, you have our next concert is uh, next month on the 16th of uh, october in a swiss rock cruise in um switzerland switzerland Seems like a very beautiful country, yeah. I yeah, I've never been there before, but um, I've heard the best, and it will be really cool. It will be on a cruise ship, on a lake, so it will be kind of nice. Oh, been a cruiser, oh my god, that's super cool. Yeah, it it, it sounds cool. Like I can't wait to to see how it is. You gotta try the their chocolate. It's the best in the world. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm a chocolate addict, so you know I, I will have a good time there. That that's amazing chocolate, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually, Swiss chocolate. Yeah, it's kind of famous. You're right. It's different because it doesn't have much sugar. It's very different. It's real chocolate. It's really cool. Wow. Anyway, um, that's a very interesting question. The next one. This is mm -hmm. sort of the main point of the project, which is covering the underground scene. I know you recorded a couple of albums before Nervosa. You work as a session drummer. You played on TV and you work as a teacher as well. How is it like being a professional drummer or making a living of it? Uh, being a professional drummer is uh, amazing. It's super fulfilling, but it's also super hard at some points. Um, you know, at, at the one side, you have the fact that um, your job is your hobby and it's your main passion. 
So, you know, every day is fun. Every day is cool. You know, there are no boring days at the office, let's say, or, you know, nine to five or nine to six jobs. It's super cool. Uh, you know, playing with all these different musicians and composing different music every day and going to rehearsals. It's like hanging out with friends and getting paid at the same time, let's say. And also the fact that you get to teach children and also adults, but people who are passionate about an instrument to be able to show, to show them, you know, the principles of the instrument that they love, it's amazing. And, and to see all these people achieve, you know, their goals to learn their favorite songs, how to play them on drums, it's amazing. Like it's, it feels super rewarding. For example, when I see my students succeed at something that they want to achieve, it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever experienced. But at the same time, you know, it has, of course, it's uh, disadvantages, let's say that, you know, um, you never get a standard salary, for example, like you get in with most jobs, because you might work like crazy for a month and then the next month is not so much work, so you have to cope with that. But also, you know, the schedule is never standard. You, there are no Sundays, no holidays, no Christmas. Like, you, of course, it's for a drummer and a musician in general, it's natural to work on a Sunday. Uh, or it's normal to play a gig on New Year's Eve instead of celebrating with family. Uh, actually, now, uh, now with COVID, it was the first New Year's Eve that actually celebrated New Year's Eve at home and I wasn't playing somewhere. But actually, it's not that I don't like it, to be honest. I love playing uh, during holidays and New Year's Eve. It's super fun, you know, making people dance during New Year's Eve or Easter or Christmas. It's super fun. But, you know, um, sometimes, you know, you miss your people and uh, it's Christmas and you want to be with your family or with your significant other. But instead of that, you're traveling somewhere to play a gig. Sometimes it can be, you know, quite hard or like to in, in your birthday to play a show instead of celebrating with friends or something like that or summer holidays I don't remember how long summer holidays feel if I'm lucky I will go on holidays for four days maximum so it's that but you know if you see both sides the good sides and the bad sides I still it's an amazing job to do because before that I used to do other jobs the normal nine to five jobs. And so I can compare the two. And drums is like the winner. After yes. the comparison. Like uh, I cannot go back to, you know, doing the other normal jobs, let's say. No a back road. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah, uh, hearing you, you talking reminds of my dad. My dad was a, da a jazz musician, a jazz drummer. And wow. I, I kind of grew up like going to the bars, watching him play, and that kind of get where you I mean about this routine of being a musician. It's totally crazy. You never have like a standard. And yeah, I, and I remember he was very passionate about teaching kids. How is, is that for you? Like very young kids. Uh, I love it. I love it. Um, in the beginning, it was, you know, it, it was hard because you have a kid, you know, that you have to take care of because it's not like teaching them. It's not only teaching them the drums. This is the easy part. 
uh, the hard part is that you actually have to take care of their feelings and their mental state, you know, because, you know, it's children and you have to be delicate and to, to support them. And because at the end of the day, it's what makes them happy. You know, it's not school, it's not algebra or grammar. So they have to enjoy it and they have to be happy. And also because they are in an age that they still develop, you know, their character and their feelings, you have to consider this all the time. And no matter how well you play drums, learning how to respond to a kid it's the biggest school. For me, it took me like two years minimum to learn how to respond to a kid properly and feel good with myself uh, with being a, a, a drum teacher. Because ki kids are like different. It's different from communicating with an adult. Like you, you have to, you have to be more delicate. And so it has taught me a lot teaching kids. Also about myself. Like uh, you know they bring out the, the best of you. So it's, it's amazing. And it feels super rewarding to see them succeed. And for example, I have this student that he loves Eurovision. You know Eurovision? Like yeah, it's very popular in Europe, right? Yeah, it's huge in Europe. And my best friend is very addicted to Eurovision. And he makes me <laughs> watch it that with him like every year. <laughs> it's super cool. Yeah, here in Europe, it's, it's a huge thing. And, you know, I have this eight-year-old student and he loves Eurovision. So he asked me to teach him how to play some songs from this year's contest. And, you know, I started teaching him the songs and I saw just the smile on his face, you know, playing the drums on uh, Maneskins, uh, you know, the Italian winner's song. I was teaching him how to play that. And just his face, he, like he was ra radiating happiness in his face. So, you know, it's, it's amazing the feeling that you make a child happy and he plays his favorite music and he feels like a rock star at that moment. And, you know, the feeling that you helped him do that is the best in the world. So that's what I mean when I say that a, a child brings out the best of you, like, you know, he, it, it makes you feel nice and warm and that, you know, there's future in this world. And it kind of brings Something you to, like to the ground as well. You can like really build an ego while you're teaching kids. So. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. And I have a funny observation here. Actually, I think Brika told you that already. Then Portuguese we have an expression that when someone is telling you something that you don't understand at all. You can ask. The, you can ask this person, like, "Are you speaking Greek?" <laughs> it's like a very oh. famous Brazilian expression. Really? She hasn't told me that. She hasn't told me that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I can get why. I, I understand. Yeah, Greek is messed up. That's a very hard language. Yeah. Uh, and all right. Did, did you want to leave like a last message to last message to people that will be listening to this interview? Uh, yeah, uh, first of all, thank you for being here and for listening to me saying probably nonsense most of the time, but thank you all for your support. You're all amazing and I wish that you're healthy and safe and that you're having a lot of fun. And um, thanks, uh, huge thanks to 
Music Bomb podcast for having me here. And um, yeah, it was a super fun chat and I wish the best to everyone and see you on the road really soon, I hope. Yeah, and thanks for finding some free time during your tour, yeah. No, no, thank you for the invitation. It was super fun. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. See you. Take care. See you. You too. Bye-bye.